right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Hey, it's a lot better than being out there in that desert heat, I'll tell you that right now. But the Lord is good to us. Amen. We are going to have a fantastic time tonight uh, studying God's Word together. I'm super excited. You picked a great night to be here. Let's go ahead and stand up. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing and decreeing that America is coming to Jesus. Can I get an amen tonight? All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right. Well, we got some announcements to go over here. First of all, We all know this, that tomorrow is September 1st, so thank God for that. One step closer to Christmas. There we go. But on top of that, it's also the new, yeah, thank you, the new devotion for uh, for the new month, all right? And so if you would like a printed copy, they are back there at the info booth. If you'd like a digital copy, just go to the Facebook page or go to the website, hdwc.org slash blog. And it's on there, and you can uh, get a digital copy, all right? Also want to let you know, um, if you have signed up for SMTI, the Bible College, uh, we are so excited. We've got the most students we've ever had signed up before this year, so we are really, really moving forward. we got nine people that are going to be going full-time to it, and uh, Mrs. Pastor will be letting you know more information in the coming days, uh, so you uh, are at the right place at the right time. Okay. Uh, young adults is this Friday night. Amen. So, uh, they're going to be meeting from 7 to 9 p.m. They're having a YouTube party. Not quite sure what that means, but hey, I wasn't invited anyway. So there you go. But, uh, Friday night, 7 to 9 p.m. If you are high school senior on up to about 30 years old, uh, come on out and uh, it's going to be a really, really awesome time. And then um, there's no men's meeting on Saturday uh, with the Labor Day weekend going on. Uh, we're going to let the men chill. And uh, and I say that, but we all know you're going to be at home doing a list that your wife gave you. So whatever. Maybe we're going to be laboring anyway. But all right. So. I forgot, I got a female behind. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, let's keep moving here. Uh, Sunday, we've got Ron and Annette Thiessen with us. Let's hear it for them. Yeah. They are our missionaries to Peru and Honduras. And, I mean, they are some absolutely wonderful on-fire-for-God missionaries. Uh, they, uh, um, they'll tell you all this, but Ron, his parents have been Wycliffe Bible translators. He's like a third-generation guy in this, I think. And so... Uh, they, they've got a, they've got a school. They've got so much going on down there in Central America. So be here Sunday. They're going to give us an update and they're going to preach the word to us and it's going to be phenomenal. And, uh, there's no PM service on Sunday also due to the Labor Day weekend. So man, get your chores done on Saturday. Maybe you can have Sunday night off, huh? Okay. All right. (laughs) 
I guess I'm in a mood tonight, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna rub someone the wrong way here. All right, uh, let's keep going. Um, if you like pizza, and even if you don't like pizza, do us a favor: order some pizza on uh, September 4th, 5th, or 6th uh, from Bucking Good Pizza. Uh, they're going to be donating part of their profits from all three of those days to Harvest Fest this year. All right. And so, uh, if you want to find out their information, look them up online, or, uh, or they're on Facebook really big, but you can find them on there, and order some pizza, uh, September 4th, 5th, or 6th, and they're going to be making the donations to uh, the church for Harvest Fest. Uh, women's meeting, the fall kickoff, will be Friday, September 9th at 6.30, yeah. So I'm just going to be praying for some fall time weather by then. Amen. So uh, anyway, September 9th, 630. Ladies, it's going to be really, really awesome. Amen. And then uh, one more young adults announcement. They will be going to the Brandon Lake concert at the Rock Church in San Diego. Uh, Saturday, October 8th. Tickets are $25, but uh, they do need you to let sign up by September 7th so they can get all the tickets together. So again, if you're a young adult, uh, get in on that. It's going to be great. And one reminder for all of us parents, and I'm a parent, and a lot of you are parents, and that's a parent to me that you are. So uh, we want to remind you that we have the Children's Church sticker system for a reason, because we don't want just any old buddy coming to snatch your kids and take them away. So help us out. And when you're picking up your kids from class, please present the sticker to the teacher. Uh, that way we can make sure we're following our guidelines to keep the kids safe and all that fun stuff. And, uh, and you know, what? Don't you're not really supposed to send, you know, your 12-year-old to go pick up your 3-year-old from the nursery. You just go ahead and do that yourself, okay? And that would be a real big blessing to all of us so we can ensure that our kiddos are safe. Amen? All right. Who knows what time it is now? You are right. It is happy time, and we know that God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? All right. Hey, man, that boy's fired up. And he's ready to go. And, you know, I sit there thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have raised him and trained him and He's an imitator of his father as a dear child. And so I must have been like that when I was his age. I still get that way sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, hold up your hands to these envelope for your tithes or for your uh, offerings. And open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 35 and 36 and then verse 23. Amen. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Dillon. That was pretty good. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and you know, I was praying about what what verse to use, what to, what to share about this. And I'm still thinking about the inflation times we're living in and what's going on. I praise God we got more than enough to do what we got to do. But I still remember about the young families in here and uh, some of the things we went through. I remember those days when things were high for a while back in the Carter days. That was a few years ago. And back in some of those days... But I remember, I, I remember how it was to have things stressed. We had, we had, we had a furnace, this old snake house we was renting. As wintertime in Indiana, it doesn't just get cold down to like 15 or 20 degrees. It gets down to 20, 30 below zero. We had some cold weather. We lived in a house that was full of snakes in the basement swimming in water. And I had to go down there to a fuse box in this old house to change fuses. And I must have been a faith person. I sure wouldn't want to do it now. I'd walk down there through those stakes and in that water to change fuses. So we'd have that. But in the wintertime, we had, we had a fuel oil furnace. 
And you know, out here, nobody knows what that is, probably, unless you've ever lived somewhere else. But anyway, fuel oil furnace, they've got, they got, the, they got fuel oil trucks that pull up to your house, and usually everybody's got like a, like a two or three hundred or even five hundred gallon fuel tank. They put fuel in there, and then all winter long, that comes into your furnace, so your furnace works. Well, I was laid off, didn't have any money, and so I had a five gallon can that I borrowed off the guy, and I would drive about ten miles to a diesel station, and buy diesel fuel, put that five-gallon can, and put that in there. It lasts me two or three days, and this crowd up made to fill that can up and get to stay warm. So I remember, I remember the four days with confessing prosperity, what to make it, going to make it, and all those kind of things. They could praise God we knew faith because we made it. And so I think about the ones now that are watching us online, the ones in church. I want to show you what we always did, no matter what was going on, no matter how much money we had or didn't have. I want to show you the number one thing that always carried us through. Our faith, first of all, was in Jesus. But as I was preaching faith and teaching faith and living by faith, I was always confessing this, and it came to pass. It says verse 35, Hebrews 10, 35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That's not about your confidence in Jesus. Your confidence had been a tither. What he told you, he rebuked the devourer, the witness ever opened. He's got his blessing on your life. It says that your confidence has great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience. And that word patience there more than anything else means being consistent. Being constant. You're a consistent tither. You're constant in your Christian faith. You're not the kind of Christian that's a yo-yo Christian. You're up and down. You're not the kind of Christian... When your family or your co-workers don't know where they're going to act like a Christian today or they're going to act like a heathen. You're a Christian every day, all the time. If you feel good, you're a Christian. If you don't feel good, you're a Christian. If you're broke, you're a Christian. If you got a whole bunch, you're a Christian. And so that's what the patients mean, constant, consistent. You have, you have need of living constantly, consistently. And after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. But I want you to look at verse 35 again. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. How do you cast out away your confidence? Well, the opposite of cast it away is to hold on to it. Amen. You're holding on to your confidence. How do you hold on to it? Look at verse 23. Verse 23. This is the key with your faith to receiving anything you're going to get from God. You have to learn the principle of your confession, what you're going to say. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our of our not having enough. How bad politics are. How terrible California is. How bad everybody else is. That mean old boss you got cut your t- overtime off? No, you're not supposed to talk about all the bad stuff. You're talk, supposed to talk about what the Word of God says about you. And so whether you got a good job or don't have the job you want yet, tithers rights still work your tithe is exactly the same as bill gates president trump uh elon musk a tithe is a dime off a dollar i don't know if any of those people tithe but if they do their tithe is no more than yours all god said in american money he said all i want from you is 10 percent every dollar you make you just give me a dime and you qualify for tithers' rights. Amen? And so let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Why is that? For he is faithful that, comp- that promised. 
And so that's how you don't cast your confidence away. You keep on confessing faith and confessing faith. And uh, if I were teaching on this tonight, when I teach on faith confession about the words out of your mouth, the number one thing I always like to teach is learn the language of silence first or you never learn the language of faith. Now, what's the language of silence? If you don't know what to say about what you're facing, shut up. Don't talk. Because Jesus said you'll have what you say. And so whether you're dealing with uh, strife issues, job issues, money issues, uh, believer for healing, if you don't know what to say, keep your mouth shut until you do know what to say, and then you speak faith. What is faith? That's saying what the Word says. What does God say about your situation? And if you don't know what He says, just keep your mouth shut. The language is silence. Amen. Just go around and say, praise the, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And people think you're a nut. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be a blessed, a blessed nut than a <laughs> whatever, a loser. Amen. Well, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession, and bring our tithes and offerings up here. And, uh, you know, especially if you're facing challenging times right now financially, you may have already given online, or you may be going to give later, or whatever you're going to do. But anyway, come up to the altar anyway, and as you're coming up here, just thank Jesus. He's meeting all your needs. Thank Jesus. It says, hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, for Jesus is faithful that promised. And I found out one thing, when you're praising Him, that's throwing fuel on your faith. Man, that's fired it up and causes things to happen when you're praising Him. So let's make this confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs. I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give just with the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bring it up, James. Okay. Let's praise the Lord on tonight. Let's open our arms wide and give him beautiful surrender.
foundation, if we're looking for other things to fill the gaps and the holes in our life, it'll never work. But we know that you, Jesus, are the one and only true source of fulfillment. We love you, and we lift your name up high tonight, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would have your way in this service, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do through your word tonight, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise together tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. We are going to have us a really good time. Man, you know, there's just no place better you could be in Barstow tonight than right here. You know that, right? I mean, you. this is the best place you could possibly be. Uh, but praise the Lord. What we're doing is uh, we are almost in the month of September, but we are going to um, do another uh, night of Psalms tonight of our summer in the Psalms. And, uh, and I mean, I could go on, I could probably literally do this for years. Okay. I love the book of Psalms and it would just take, you could never tap out all of the good wisdom and, uh, and, and word that we have right here in this. But anyway, um, I was just looking at which Psalm to go to tonight and we're going to be looking at Psalm 116, Psalm 116. Amen. Now this isn't one of the, uh, famous psalms so to speak you know some of the psalms are just i mean very very well known by most christians you got you know your psalm 23 your psalm 91 of course uh if you're like me you love psalm 34 so much uh psalm 119 those are all good ones but tonight we're going to be in uh psalm 116 now i'm not going to read the entire chapter but as i was reading this this morning Three uh, key points jumped out at me that I feel are very important for us to get tonight. And so we're going we're gonna to look at some of this here. Now, Psalm 116, uh, it doesn't tell us who the writer of this psalm is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know that it's not David. Uh, but what we have here in several of these psalms in this uh, section of the book is uh, people giving thanks for the Lord sparing their lives. God literally rescuing their lives. And who in here, you could be honest and say, yeah, the Lord saved me. He (laughs) rescued me. I would probably be dead by now if Jesus hadn't stepped in and saved me from wicked people, from foolishness on my part, and from traps that the devil had set for me. But we know that the Lord has rescued us and saved our lives. And I would love to just read the whole thing. But for the sake of time, I'm going to look here. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 6. But point number one is this. All right. We got three things. Number one is this. Have childlike faith. Have childlike faith. And I'll explain this. But let's look at verse 6. So it tells us this. Uh, as, as, the, as the writer is, is telling us of how the Lord saved him. Verse 6 says, The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death 
and he saved me. And he saved me. And so you'll see uh, all throughout Scripture, but specifically in Jesus' own writings, uh, that he puts a great emphasis on childlike faith. And we even use that phrase. Have you ever heard somebody say, you got to have childlike faith? And, you know, maybe they uh, aren't even realizing that they're speaking Scripture when they're doing that. But the question is, is what is so special about a child's faith. What's so special about it? And to just make it so simple, and I'm going to put it this way, what I believe is so special about the faith of a child is they don't overcomplicate things. They simply know what you hear what the word of God says. They trust and believe it. Now, I love that about kids. I love our children's ministry. I love all the kids of this church. And, and I don't know, man, just, I, I love my nephews. I love all the little toddlers running around here. I, usually I'd rather talk to them than anyone else, but they're so much fun. No offense to you guys. You're great too, but, but I just, the little kids, they're so cool. And they believe the word of God. And so if you were to tell a child, you know, hey, right here it says in God's word, 1 Peter 2.24, that by Jesus' stripes, by his wounds, you were healed. A little kid's going to be like, oh, okay, so so Jesus wants me to be healed. And they'll believe it. Now, if I tell that to some random adult that goes to some random church, they're going to say, <clears throat> yes, brother, I know that it says that. But if you would look further into the original text, blah, 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 and they'll say all sorts of dumb things about, yeah, but, it, but what was he talking to? And they'll try to explain away the promises of God or make it so high and lofty and put so many qualifications on there that you're like, you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. I probably never will get healed. And we, many people overcomplicate it. But the great thing about childlike faith is it's this, it's, it's so simple that, hey, the word of God says this, so I'm just going to believe it. I don't need you to, to uh, explain it away and tell me why I don't qualify and blah, blah, blah. Childlike faith. Believe God's word and act upon God's word. Now, I'm going to show you. Hold your spot in Psalm 116. That's our main spot. But i got to take you to the book of Matthew for a few minutes here. All right? We're going to be in Psalm 116 and Matthew a whole lot tonight. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. I'm talking about childlike faith. The Bible does not have to be this complex, complicated, far off, you could never understand it type of a thing. It's written for you. God wants you to understand it. There's promises that are in there and, and they, and you know, I've heard it said that God's promises aren't hidden from you. They've been hidden for you. Open up the book and see what's written in there and you can have it. Matthew chapter 18. And we'll look here at uh, verses 1 through 4. Now, the book of Matthew specifically shows us several instances of Jesus talking about children. And I've, I've preached on this a lot. I mean, so if you've been here a while, you've definitely heard me talk about this because I find it fascinating. But Matthew chapter 18, we're going to look here at verses 1 through 4. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, the boys here, they were always kind of arguing, and so they're probably th expecting Jesus to say, well, that's easy. 
Matthew's the greatest because, you know, I like him so much. Or, no, uh, uh, Peter, he's, he's got such, uh, Peter's the greatest. But Jesus didn't say anything like that. What did Jesus do? Verse 2, Jesus called a little kid, a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What a statement. Unless you become as a little child, you're not even getting into the kingdom of heaven. So so don't even sit there and worry about if you're going to have a place of honor or what your rank is going to be. You won't even be there. You've got to become as the little children, according to Jesus. And in fact, he said we would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven if we became like them. But notice that the, the trait that Jesus mentions right here is, he says, you've got to become humble. You've got to humble yourself. Well, this original Greek word is it means two things. I would try to pronounce it, but I don't want to look stupid. I was just talking to Rodney about pronouncing words. So anyway, but this Greek word, humble, has two connotations. One is to lay down your pride. And the other is, to reduce things to the basics. Jesus says, you've got to become humble like a child. You've got to lay down your pride, and you've got to reduce things to the basics. So in in other words, what Jesus was saying about this, anyone who can lay down their pride and admit that they're not perfect, and if they quit overcomplicating the gospel, they'll be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Of heaven, childlike faith. Now, Jesus really seems to love kids. Many times in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, You have to become like a child. And I've pointed this out many times. You'll see repeatedly, especially in Matthew, Jesus says, Become as the little children, or you have to become. But there's not one instance of Jesus ever coming up to a group of kids and saying, You need to be more like the adults. Never. But he repeatedly tells adults, you need to become like the children. And I'm like, everyone else is always saying, hey, grow up. You need to act like the adults. What's wrong with you? And and barking at kids. But that is, Jesus didn't do that one time, ever. All he did was say, you guys need to become as the little children. You're not even going to heaven. So quit arguing about what your position and your prominence is going to be up there because you won't be there unless you become as the children look at chapter 19 i I promise i'm getting back to psalms but chapter 19 is also very interesting to me we've got another instance of jesus disciples you'd think they'd get it you would think they would get it but matthew chapter 19 verses 13 through 15 matthew 19 Verses 13 through 15, it says, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. Wouldn't that be awesome to have Jesus lay hands on your kids? I mean, come on. Wow. And so what happens, though? The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, 
Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. There he said it again. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And what did he do? And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. I love that. I love how Jesus consistently said, you've got to believe like the kids believe. And so, again, what does this mean to humble yourself? It means to lay down your pride because you have no idea how dangerous pride is. It is a killer in your life. And then you've got to reduce things to the basics. And I love talking to kids because, I mean, I feel like sometimes I can have a more intelligent and faith-filled conversation with the children than a lot of adults. And it's just simply because they believe the Bible. They believe the Word of God. You know, I, my little son, Sam, his favorite story is Jonah and the whale. And, you know, Pastor David doesn't use the word whale. It could have just been a giant fish. See, there we go again. Whatever. It doesn't matter. A great big sea creature swallowed Jonah. It doesn't matter if it was a whale or a great big fish. But he believes this story and is fascinated by it. And then I talked to some people and like, well, was that figurative? But it says he was in the belly of the great. It really happened or the Bible wouldn't have said it. You've got to get to that place where you read the Bible and, 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 and believe it and take it for what it's telling you. I remember, you know, one thing that the children at this church learned early on is about the windows of heaven being opened upon your life if you're a tither. That's Malachi chapter 3. It says that you'll have the windows of heaven be opened upon you, that you will have such a blessing poured out on your life, you won't even have room enough to receive it. Now, one of my favorite stories, that this is probably my favorite story, but several years ago, I was cleaning out the, the, the family car, and I mean, I was finding french fries and all sorts of things that shouldn't have been there, but... I come across, I move a car seat out. There is a stockpile of goldfish crackers right there. And I'm like, I can't believe it. And I'm throwing crackers out the window. Just, I mean, throwing them over the top of the car. And out to the side, I hear a, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and I'm like, what is that? I'm throwing crackers out. And I walk out there. I'm like, Isaac. It was Isaac. He was like three or four years old. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, Dad. God's making it rain goldfish out of heaven. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, Lord. But he literally, and I mean, literally, he literally believed that God was raining these things down on him. And the windows of heaven had opened up and poured out such blessing, he didn't even have room enough to receive it. He thought it was Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 in action. I didn't have the heart to tell him. So I'm like, God is good, son. Feast away. Amen. Manna from heaven. Manna from heaven. So, childlike faith. It's a big deal. Number two, let's go back to Psalm 116, can we? Psalm 116. And so I just pulled out a few incredible uh, verses from this chapter. But Psalm 116, point number two is this, is to give praise to the Lord's name. Give praise to the Lord's name. And so we're going to look at Psalm 116, verses 12 through 13. Psalm 116, verses 12 through 13. And the writer of this chapter asks what I feel is a question that every Christian, 
if you haven't ever asked this question, I'm just being honest. I, I don't know how you couldn't have asked this question. I've asked this question to myself and to God. But Psalm 116, verse 12, what can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? Have you ever asked God that question? Oh, my gosh, I'm literally the only person that's asked that. Okay, wow, I didn't think that would happen. All right, but <laughs> seriously, you've never asked, Lord, what can I offer to you for all you have done for me? That's a very valid question that you should probably ask God at some point. Now, we know this much. We can never pay God back fully for what he's done for us. How can you pay back the price that you couldn't? But I do want to do my best and say, God, you you saved me from hell. You 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 you, you healed me of cancer. You, you you gave me a family, a wife. You gave me a beautiful church. Lord, you've done so much. What can I offer back to you to show you my gratitude? Now look at this next this next verse, verse thirteen. He says, "I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me." And so, again, he asks, what can I offer the Lord for all that he's done for me? Well, one thing that you can offer God for all he's done for you is to praise his name. Do you get me on that? You can praise his name. Now, again, you can never pay him back, but there are things that you can offer to him to show that you do recognize and are thankful for what he's done for you. And so... The writer of this psalm says, I'll lift up the cup of salvation. I will praise his name. Now, again, David didn't write this particular psalm, but we've talked about how much David is a praiser. I mean, that, that, that's just factual that the man knew how to praise God. We see all throughout his life how he was quick to praise God and always point the attention back to the Lord. Someone's, oh, man, you're the greatest. No, 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 no. The Lord rescued me out of that situation. That's how I won. Or, man, you're the, just the best. No, no, no. No, it's God. It, it, it's the Lord. It, it, it's my Father. He would always point to God. Now, one unique thing that David mentions several times in the Psalms is lifting his hands in praise, right? It's all over the Psalms. And, and you know, some people think, like, I know we do that, but why do we do that? Well, the reason I do it is because the scripture tells me to. And, you know, and, and, and I'm going to show you a reference here in just a second. But even into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said that, that we should lift our hands in prayer, lift our holy hands in prayer. And so it's very scriptural. But at our church, it's not unusual. It's not, I mean, basically everyone, we're raising our hands in praise. Now, to some people in some churches, that seems weird, and, and they don't get it, but we do it for a big reason. But I want to show you Psalm 141, verse 2. Psalm 141 and verse 2. Are we having a good time tonight? Who thinks that they ought to offer the Lord some praise for what he's done for you? I mean, I think, good Lord, it's the least I could do for all that he's done for me. Absolutely. What can I offer him? For what he's done in my life. Psalm 141. And we're going to look here at, at verse 2. But here we have. This is a psalm of David. And, and here's what he says to the Lord regarding this. Psalm 141 verse 2. He says, accept my prayer 
as incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Accept my upraised hands as an evening offering. David calls the raising of his hands in praise an offering. Well, what is an offering? Well, you know, we would think, well, that's when I write a check to God. Well, you know, that's fine. But, but, but an offering is a sacrifice. An offering is, it, it costs you something. And sometimes when we come in and we raise our hands in praise, it's not because I just feel like it at that moment. But I know that when I raise my hands, what am I doing? I'm giving an offering of myself to God. I'm saying, hey, here I am. You can have everything that I am. And when I don't feel like it, it's even more special because it costs me something. It, it, it costs my comfort. It costs me having to raise my hands and, 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 and get up and, and make myself do something that I don't feel like doing. Praise is a very, very powerful thing. And, and when we begin to understand this, we can take it a step further. But David says, oh, no, my hands raised. That's an evening offering of praise to you. And when the Lord's rescued you from something and you're truly thankful, don't you want to give him some praise? I mean, who in here, I asked you, but God's actually rescued you from something. Come on. Yeah. Did you want to give him a little thanks? Right? Come on. You wanted to praise his name. It's a big deal. And I, I, we, we joke about this, but I remember good old Jesse Garcia, man, when he first came in here and got saved, my gosh, he was so loud all the time. And he was constantly, I mean, it would be time for offering. He was getting up like he was at a football game. Woo! Offering! Like, chill out. You know, it's time for praise and worship. He's like, oh my gosh, it's time to praise. Yes! He was... And so one time this lady, this lady comes up and, and asks my mom and I, she's like, I want to invite some of my friends to church, but I'm going to be embarrassed if he's so loud. Could you ask him to be quiet? And we, yeah, literally, literally. And, and we were like, no, no, we can't do that. If God had done for you what he did for this man, you'd be shouting too. Amen. Come on. It's okay. You may think we're weird because we're loud, but we think you're weird because you're sitting there being quiet when Jesus died to save you from hell. That's weird. How can you do that? Matthew chapter 21. All right, we're going to go back to Psalms, but I told you it was a Psalms and Matthew type of night. Matthew chapter 21, because I love this little scriptural reference right here. Uh, it's a very, it's a unique story because it's going to tie our first two points together perfectly about how we're to be childlike in our faith and how we are to praise God. Matthew 21, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 16. Amen. Matthew 21, verses 15 through 16, and I'll read this in the New King James because I love the way it phrases this very last uh, part of this verse. But Matthew 21 and we're going to look here again at verses 15 through 16. It says, But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. What were they doing? The kids were praising God in the temple. 
What happened to all the old folks? They were indignant. They were angry. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. And have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Oh, I love it when Jesus just kind of burns somebody. You know what I mean? Come on. I love it. It's so funny. But but these guys are like, have you never read and heard in the scripture? And he's like, oh, I have. And have you ever read the scripture where it says out of the mouths of children, praise has been perfected? And so Jesus looks at these children praising. And what does he say? That is perfect praise. The children have perfected the praise that is something right there i i I love that and that's psalm 8 verse 2 for your reference but jesus was literally quoting out of the psalms right there and i told you that he quoted out of psalms more than any other old testament book but once again the old prudes come in and try to squash the kids and jesus says "Uh uh-uh no you need to be like them these kids have perfected the art of praising the Lord. Now let's look at the third thing. Go back to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Man, we are just all over the place tonight. It's been a wild ride, people, but it's been a good one. Psalm 116. And I'm going to show you one more thing here in verse 14. Psalm 116 and verse 14. And so again, we... The, the writer has asked, what can I offer the Lord for all he's done for me? He says, well, first of all, I'll lift up the cup of salvation and I'll praise his name. But then he adds another thing on that he can offer to God as a way of thanking him for all that he's done for him. That He says this, Psalm 116, verse 14, I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And so the third third point is keep your promises to him. Keep your promises to him. Now, again, what is this guy talking about? He said, how can I, what, what can I, I could never repay you, but what could I offer you to at least show that I'm very thankful? Well, uh, first of all, I could praise you. Another thing I could do is when I make a promise to the Lord, I could keep that promise. Now, keeping your promises is a really big deal. Do you know that? It's a bad thing to go around making promises and not keeping them. And that's why I don't use the word promise very often at all, even with my kids, because I don't want them coming back. But, Dad, you promised. I will always, no, no, hold on. No, no, no. I didn't promise that. I said if you did good at school, then you could get an ice cream cone or whatever the case is, right? But... It's very rare that I'm going to say, I promise this because I take it serious. I I don't want to break a promise. I don't want to be a liar, and I don't want to be fake. And as much as I don't want to break a promise to you or to my children or anybody else, I really bad don't want to break a promise that I made to God. He's never broken a promise to me. Sometimes, you know, maybe I've read this promise in his word and, and stood on it for a while. Maybe it didn't happen like the very next day, but they've always happened. He's always kept his promises to me. And everyone loves to read about the promises of God in Scripture and, and sing about 
his promises. But if you really want to thank him for his promises, you could keep your promises that you've made to him. And so if you made a commitment to serve him, do it. If you said you'd give something up for him, do it. My personal favorite, if you tried to bargain with God, you know, like some, uh, <laughs> like a loan shark. <laughs> if you tried to, hey, God, listen, I'll cut you a deal. If you do this for me, then I promise I'll do this for you. And people do that. I don't recommend doing that. But at the same time, if you're, you know, if you, if you struck a bargain with God and cut a deal with him and God, you get me out of this mess, I swear, I promise, man, I'll be at church every time that the doors are open for the rest of my, hey, that's cool. That is your right to do that. I'm just saying, if you cut a deal with God and you struck up a bargain with him and you yourself wrote the terms and conditions of this deal, keep your promise to God. Come on. And I mean, none of us are perfect. I mean, yeah, uh, for real. I've promised the Lord things that I've failed on. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not defending that. And I'm not saying, "Eh, well, no, I'm like, I take it serious. And it's a big, big deal. That when we make a promise, we keep it. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Luke 9, verse 62. I'm going to show you two more verses. Then we'll be out of here. Luke 9, verse 62. And this is a hard-hitting verse right here. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. And so what we have here is different people coming up to Jesus and saying, Hey, I'll follow you, Jesus, everywhere you go. I want to be part of your team. I want to be part of the club. I want to be part of the disciples. I want to be one of the boys. I want to be in this group. And he's like, well, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know it looks all glamorous, okay? <laughs> but you, you, you want to count the cost, okay? Because a lot of times you, they're seeing the miracles and the cool stuff. But one thing Jesus says here is, hey, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But I actually don't even have a place to lay my head at night. So you may want to think about that. But Luke chapter 9, look, uh, I, just for the sake of time, I'm going to cut to this. Verse 62, so a young man comes up and says, hey, you know, I, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow, what does that mean? You commit to the harvest. You commit to work for the gospel. And then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds pretty harsh. That does not sound like nice Jesus. That sounds like harsh Jesus. But he's not lying. He's not lying. When we make a commitment, it comes at a cost. You realize that, right? When we make a commitment, there's usually great cost involved or it's not that impressive. Like, I commit to eat brownies every day. Like, okay, congratulations, big whoop. I mean, that's. But when you got married, what did you do? You made a commitment. Not just in front of the preacher, but in front of God. You promised God and this other person that you would stay married to them until you die. Marriage is a big deal, dude. (laughs) Big deal. It's a promise to this person and to God. It's a commitment. And at first it can be real easy and fun and all this stuff. But then when the challenges come in, right? And when there's difficulty, that's when we find out your level of commitment. Because it will cost you something. You will sacrifice in marriage. 
you will sacrifice in your relationship for the Lord. There's going to be times he's going to say, hey, I don't want you doing that anymore. And you're gonna, you've got the choice. I want to do it. What about that? Or you've got the option to say, you know what? I told you I would do whatever you wanted. I told you that my life is yours. If you say you don't want me doing that anymore, I will not do that anymore. I really want to, but I won't. Wow. That's commit. Commitment costs you something. There's a cost. But I'm going to tell you this, that in the Christian life, there is sacrifice and there's commitment. Jesus said, count the cost. But I promise you this much. The payback for what you give up is so much better. It is so worth it. I feel like I'm giving pennies to Jesus, and he's giving $100 bills back to me. I'm not talking about money, but I'm just trying to use an illustration here. I'm talking about I give up these little things for Jesus, and what does he do? He absolutely gives me so much more. It is so unfair. What I've given up compared to what he gave up is totally unfair. Uh, But it's the grace of God. I've committed to this thing, and I've failed, and I've done dumb things, and I've screwed up, and I don't defend any of that. But I'm telling you right now that there is Jesus said, hey, listen, the road is narrow. It's narrow. And so some, some people, maybe some preachers will tell you, oh, I don't know. It's the easiest thing in the world. You just say this little tiny prayer, and you're good to go. If you're going to really do this thing, you're going to give some things up. You're going to cut some things out, but it is so worth it. <laughs> it is so worth it when you i mean come on you you got uh, a marriage that lasts right come on yeah you, yeah you, you, the lord will bless your life you've got the peace of god uh, i can't even begin to go into all of it but i'm just telling you right now when you sacrifice for the lord it is worth it and i've got so many testimonies in this room sitting before me of people that could say oh yeah i tried it my way <laughs> it looked like it was fun the party life, the, you know, the whatever, the drinking, the, uh, see, it, it looked fun. And maybe for five minutes it was until you realized how costly that is. And so I've, I think I heard this Billy Graham say that there's a cost to following Jesus, yes. But the cost of not following him is a whole lot more. Amen? One final verse. Psalm 15 and verse 4. Psalm 15 and verse 4. Are you still glad you came tonight? Psalm 15 and verse 4. Amen. The Lord has been nothing but good to me. He's never done anything bad to me. He has been totally, totally good. So much better than what I could even deserve. But Psalm 15, and we're going to look here at verse 4. I'm going to read it in the New King James first of all because, again, I like the way it phrases part of it. Then I'll uh, do it in the NLT. Psalm 15, verse 4. Psalm 15, that's a good chapter, man. That's one we ought to study. But it's all about those who are allowed in to the presence of the Lord. It's an interesting little chapter, but I just got to pick one little thing out of it here. So those that are allowed in the presence of the Lord, uh, those that in their eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. But look at this last part. This is what I'm getting at. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Now, I've heard that phrase my whole life, and I'm like, it may seem a little bit vague to you. What does that mean? Well, the NLT puts it this way. Those that can get real close to God are those that keep their promises even when 
it hurts. Even when it hurts. Jesus kept his promise to us. Even when it hurt. And believe me, it hurt. (laughs) It hurt what he went through. But he kept his promise. And so I'm just encouraging us tonight uh, of this, that what we got out of Psalm 116 is, man, you want the blessing of God? Don't be so complicated and deep that you don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Have childlike faith. Read the Bible, believe it, trust God, and watch what he can do in your life. And then it tells us, you know, hey, give praise to his name for what he's done for you and keep your promises to him. And and I'm just I'm, I'm I encourage you in that, man, that if we've made promises, let's keep those. And sometimes, yeah, but I promised this. And then I didn't realize that if I signed up for nursery that I was going to miss Sunday night football. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, bear your cross, brother. Sometimes the way is it's a tough road, but it's worth it. Amen. Come on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Who was happy to hear the word of God tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Love God's word, even when it corrects me a little bit. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and take a few minutes here uh, to offer some prayer to you. I'm have my prayer team come on up. Amen. And if you're here and you came in need of prayer tonight, we want to get you some prayer. We want to we want to be here for you. But if not, you could take a few minutes here to uh, to give some praise to the Lord, man. Thank him for what he's already done in your life. And uh, if you need prayer, though, we want you to come forward and we want to pray for you. Amen. Sorry, I had to grab. I got these Bob Ross mints right here that my wife bought me. These things are fire. But anyway, all right. Praise God. Uh, If you need prayer, come on up. Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. The riches of this world could never satisfy. Let my heart want for only you. You're my constant. In the chaos, you're my compass. When the road is long, you're my portion, never failing for me, only Jesus.
and you redeem my past every moment and then forever for me only Jesus for me Praise God. Thank you for listening to God's word. And hey, you wanted to grow. You wanted to be here. Uh, Doug and Alexis, man, they just got off an airplane and came to church, brother. Come on. Yeah. They look a little tired, so we're going to let them go home. <laughs> but praise God. I love that, man. That's commitment. It's so awesome that you want to be in the house of the Lord. It's beautiful. All right. Let's uh, remind you, young adults, Friday night, 7 o'clock, YouTube party right uh, here on the property. Amen. Do whatever you're going to do. Be blessed. Have fun. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And uh, praise God for that. And then, of course, be here Sunday for Ron and Annette Thiessen, all right, up from Peru and Honduras. Can't wait to hear what God's been doing down there. It's going to be absolutely awesome. All right, let's pray. And then we're going to uh, do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord for what we have seen in your word tonight. And Lord, we absolutely acknowledge our dependence upon you. We acknowledge that you are the reason that we are here today. You've saved us. You've protected us. You've brought us through everything that has come our way, Jesus. And, and so, yeah, we thank you for that. And what can we offer back to you? Well, we could praise you. And Lord, we could keep our promises to you. There's a lot of other things too. But Jesus, help us to live our best life for you. Use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go and to bless this community. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says, all right, let's say these words of faith together. Oh, my mom's on her way out. Oh, easy. <laughs> 
Were you wanting to do the confession? Oh, she wanted to talk to someone. Okay, all right, let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Sunday.